turn to your Bible to Jonah uh, chapter number four, and uh, we'll begin here. And I, I just want to talk to you this morning on, on why should I care? Why, why should we care as a church about missions? Uh, what's so important about missions? We see missions all over the place. People are always talking about missions, missions, missions. What's going on? Giving my money. What's going on? Uh, why should we care about missions? And, and we'll read a little bit here, but I want to talk to you uh, just a little bit uh, about this. Um, why missions is so important. And I, studying through the Bible, you see great stories uh, of Paul, uh, who's one of the greatest missionaries uh, in Scripture, and we see uh, everything a- about him, everything that he did, everything that he accomplished, uh, God working through his life. And I look at men like that in the Bible and say, man, that's, that's, that's unbelievable, that's crazy uh, that he does, he, he did that stuff, and read the scriptures and the stories that, that were told. And so I was going through, and, and the Bible uh, has, has a famous uh, piece of scripture we all know is the Great Commission, and we know what that scripture is. And uh, I, I want to kind of start off and give you, a, give you a few quick thoughts here this morning about that. So w- when it comes to missions, what is, what is the big deal? Uh, what's the big deal with missions, and why is it so important so my question for you today is, is, why should I care whether others hear God's message of salvation? Why should we care about that? Why is it such a big deal? We're to share God's passion for, for reaching other people. We bring missionaries in that, that go uh, all across this country and all across the world to tell other people about Jesus. And I want to I show you through, through Jonah this morning a little different story about this, but We'll start off in, in verse number one, and we'll just read a little bit, and then, and then we'll get going. But Jonah chapter four, verse one, and it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before a Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil." Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow, till he might see what would become of the city. The Lord God prepared a gird, and made it uh, come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, and God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, that it smote the gourd with that it withered. And it came to pass that the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished himself to die, and said, It is better for me to, to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry of the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast made pity on the ground, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle. So I want to talk to you this morning about this thought. And God calls it the Great Commission. God calls it and says that, I want you to tell every living creature about me. That's why we do missions. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can't go over to India 
and be a missionary right now. I'm here uh, being a missionary to Columbus, Ohio. I'm here and there's different people that have a burden to go to these different countries and to do different things and different ministries to tell other about Jesus Christ. A lot of times, us at home, we call the Great Commission or we consider the Great Commission as the Great Suggestion. We don't take it like it's for real. We take it like, okay, God kind of gave that to us and God said, well, if you want to, I want you to go tell other people about me. If you want to, if it's something that fits in your schedule, I want you to go tell other people. And a lot of times we, we treat it as a suggestion, and that's not what God is saying. The Bible contains many stories that tell of men and women that are following God. We see the story of Noah in the Old Testament and how Noah follows God's commands for his life and builds the ark and does everything that God tells him to do. We see Abraham was a pilgrim all of his life in order to create a family and to find a land that God would be able to use and eventually bring forth the Savior through that lineage. And we see the ultimate example of the new, in the New Testament of Jesus who would not be turned away from coming to this world in order to bring salvation to us. And as we see these stories and stories like these when God calls the prophet Jonah to go to the people of Tarshish and we, and we know that, or to Nineveh, and we know that this whole story and this story you've heard from the time you grew up in Sunday school And the whole thing that happened with Jonah and how Jonah didn't want to go and how he tried every other way to get out and and tried not to go there because he didn't want to go to the people. And we see that this story, uh, the book of Jonah, is is a book that is full of surprises. You look in the Old Testament, a lot of the different prophets would go and they'd give a word of judgment uh, to the people uh, surrounding these pagan nations. But Jonah actually travels to this judged nation here Oftentimes, Old Testament prophets are revealed as less than perfect, but are still seen to be noble messengers of God. They still follow what God has told them to do. But we see here that Jonah is not even hesitant. He flat refuses that he is not going. He's going to do whatever he can to not follow what God has told him to do. We see that through this scripture, and we know the story that Jonah tries to go away. And tries to run away from what God is telling him to do. And I read a study that said that he was wanting to go almost double the amount of distance as God was telling him to go to the people. He was trying to go as far away as he possibly could from doing what God had commanded him to do. To go into this country and to be a missionary to these people. To tell these people that what they were doing and the way they were living is not the right way. And that they needed a Savior. They needed Jesus Christ. They needed the Lord in their life. We see here that when, through this story, that Jonah gets on the, on the ship, and the pagan sailors there show more compassion for him, or for this people, than, than Jonah, did, Jonah did. And so we see that there's many things that go through, and we know the whole story. Jonah is saved by a, by a whale, and we see how all that happens, and, and how it all goes down. You know the story, but what is the point of, of this book of Jonah? Why did God include it in the Bible This background on this book, I want to give you the book of Jonah challenges God's people to rise above their indifferences of others and to see a world through the eyes of the creator, of God. The only thing that equals God's power to turn the seas and his love for his creation. God hates nothing that he has made, but loves everything that goes on. And that's why we do missions, because God has given us a command to tell the whole entire world, about his son, Jesus Christ. 
God has given us the command to go out and tell all the nations, to tell people. So through missions, this is how we are able to, to accomplish this goal, is to send people to give, to pray, to support people in order that they can go tell their people on our behalf and for the, for the glory of Jesus Christ about Jesus Christ. Do you understand a lot of times I, I wake up in the morning and I wake up and do you get that God loves each and every one of us? God loves you no matter what you do, no matter how much you mess up, no matter how much wrong you do, he still loves you and he still forgives you and he still loves you. And if he loves you, that means that he loves everybody and he cares and he's a caring God that loves and wants to have a relationship with us. Why do we care about two billion people who live in this world and that will eventually die one day that have never heard the name of Jesus? Why do we invite people to church? Why do we do our Christmas drama? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have vacation Bible school? Why do we invite kids to come to church and to hear the love of Jesus Christ? Simple answer is because God cares about them. And if God cares about them, so should we. Because his spirit lives in us and we share his passion to reach the people. Jonah, on the other hand, was not too thrilled with following God's plan. He was not too thrilled with doing what God told him to do. And I always find this story humorous when I, when I read this in the Bible because it's just like us. It's so much easier to just follow God. It's so much easier when God tells us to do something to just say, okay, God, I got it, gonna do it. And it'll help us in the long run. If we could see the long run of what's going on, our lives would be so much better and so much easier than what's going on. So I'm going to start. I'm going to give you three quick things. And I'm going to be done. I'm going to go really quick. So if I talk fast, just bear with me. I was an auctioneer in North Carolina, so I can do it. All right? No. Number one, God's love is bigger than our love. God's love is bigger than our love. But it dis- uh, Jonah 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before into Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life for me, from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, this is crazy to me, because Jonah is, is crazy. Jonah saw God's mercy toward the cruel Assyrians. And there's no doubt that they were, that they were an evil people. Go study it out. The Assyrians were, were nasty, evil, wicked people. Uh, you know, we, we, in our, in our, they're, they're the modern day ISIS on steroids. They're, they're, they're doing this stuff that ISIS is doing crazy. Ten times the, ten times the more. The, the Assyrians did this to entire cities. They would behead people and put their, their heads in piles all over the place. They were wicked, wicked people. And Jonah saw God's mercy toward them. And that is the meaning here when, when he says that he was displeased in verse 1, we see, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, a great amount. He was hot. He, he was not happy. He, 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 was, he was ticked off that God's mercy toward the uh, Assyrians was not causing God to just blow them off the face of the planet. He was mad. We read there in verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Not just angry, he was very angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, I, I, not this my, was this my saying that when I was in my country, therefore I fled into Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. Basically he's saying, I would rather die, I'd rather die than tell these people because these people deserve to die. These people don't deserve your grace. These people don't deserve your mercy. Lord, don't you see the things that they are doing? Don't you see, Lord, don't you understand everything that is, 
going on. And when he was outraged at the things that, that, that God was doing, he did, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. In our modern time, we see people, we see the news. We see all the stuff that happens, everything that's going on with the overseas and everything that's going on. We see those people and say, I just wish God would just wipe them off the face of the planet. Just wish God would, would kill them all. They don't need God's mercy. They don't deserve God's mercy. They don't deserve God's grace. And like I can tell you this morning, God loves those people that do those, thing, those things the same way he loves you and I. We might not have ever killed anybody. We might not have done the things that are going on, but our sin is just as bad as their sin. The sin that I commit is just as bad as the sin, the sin that you commit. The things that go on all over the country, there's no sin that is a different level of sin that's going to cause God to love you or hate you anymore. God says, I, I love these people. I want you to tell these people about my love. I want you to tell these people that I love them, that I care for them. Jonah was not happy. He was mad. And you can see it. What would you want done to somebody who murdered someone close to your family? When you hear stories in the newspaper of people doing horrible things to other people and to children, what do you want? You want mercy or do you want justice? Do you want mercy or, or are you asking, are, are you saying, do you, do you want mercy or do you want justice? We, we want justice. Somebody does me wrong, I want them to be done wrong. And yet God is saying here, I, I'm giving mercy to these people. I don't want you to think that I'm justifying Jonah's hatred toward the sin, but, but I understand it. I understand Jonah's dis, displeasement in these people. You can see that. Anybody that reads this story says, man, those people deserve to be killed. They don't deserve God's grace. They don't deserve his love. But this sets up his description of God. Verse 2, we learn the real motivation here for, for Jonah running the opposite direction in Nineveh. His disobedience was not because he feared the Assyrians or that he had failed in his assignment. I want you to get this. His disobedience was because he knew that there was a real possibility for success, and he didn't want that. He knew it was and is the disposition of God to be merciful to those who deserve harsh punishment. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that when God looks at my sin and that when God looks at me, he doesn't say, man, you've done too much wrong. You don't deserve my mercy. You don't deserve my grace. You don't deserve it. But what he does, he, he bestows it upon us and, and wants to have a relationship with us and wants us to love him. And he loves us. And we see here the borders of God's love were greater than Jonah's. Jonah was angry with his enemies. He was angry that his enemies were not God's enemies. And we have to understand that God has no enemies. God loves all people. God cares. God's love is faithful. And that's important. Ask the question to someone who has experienced unfaithful love. Ask the question to to Rahab. Ask the question to to different ones in, in 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 the scripture. She was asked to protect the spies and was told to hang a red cord out of her window and her whole household will be spared uh, coming to destruction in the city. We see that. Ask the parent praying for the wayward child or their spouse praying praying for for one another. Is it important that God be merciful and compassionate and faithful to 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 the one that's lost? Jonah confesses that God is slow to become angry We've probably done that before, too. We said somebody hurts us, and we say, God, 
You said, vengeance is mine. Thus saith the Lord, you better get to it, buddy. Vengeance is mine. When are you going to break it out? When are you gonna, what are you going to do about it? They hurt me. What's going to happen? When are you going to take care of them? When are you going to bust them over the head? What's going to go on? And God says, I'll take care of it. I'll, 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 I'll take care of it. I've got everything under control. We do not deal with a God who is trying to get even measure for measure with those living in rebellion. He does not delight in sending disaster. I don't believe that God delights in that. I don't believe that God enjoys punishing us. As much as my parents, I think they enjoyed spanking me growing up. You know, I don't think God's like that. And Jonah's disgusted that God would withdraw destroying Nineveh like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. Disgusted with this thought. And as much as Jonah loved God, he hated the Assyrians more. And since he could not hear agree with God's decision, he said, basically, I, I just don't think I'm going to represent you any longer. It's better that I just die. It's better that you just kill me. It's better that I'm not here anymore because I, I, I'm, I'm not with you on this. And this indifference is the, the spirit of Jonah. Having this spirit like he had. We look here at a couple things. I'm going to move on very quickly. Number two, God's people have distorted priorities. Sometimes our priorities get out of whack. Verse four, it said, Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And here God seeks to use Jonah's self-centeredness to help him see the very heart of God. The Lord asked him, Is it right for you to be angry? Why, 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 are you, why are you angry? What a question there. Coming from the man who had jumped overboard and, and instead of looking at uh, God sending this great fish, this well, to, to save him, he looked at it as a, as a bad thing. Jumps overboard and God prepared a fish to rescue him. The fish was not God's punishment on his life, but it was his salvation. Jonah deserved to be condemned and judged in every single way as the Assyrians do, but God showed mercy and compassion and faithful love, was slow to anger and relented in sending disaster. Isn't that just like we are? A lot of times when things happen in our life, when other people hurt us and mess us up and make us angry, we're ready for God's judgment to full-blown rain an atomic bomb of God's judgment. But when it comes to things that we do, we're, we're begging God and asking God, God, please give me, give me a chance. Give me, give, me more, give me another shot. Lord, don't, don't, don't rain your judgment upon me. We see here, this is exactly what he was doing. Jonah left the city and sat down, made himself a shelter, and sat in the shade. We know that in his life, he was He was struggling. He had a good seat just in case God was going to rain down fire and destroy this. He wanted to be there to watch the whole thing go down. Verse 7, but God prepared a worm in the morning, rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die. Yet again, Jonah was messed up, and said, it was better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, does that will be angry for the gourd? He said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Jonah had his priorities all messed up. His priorities were, were all out of whack. I'll tell you something. If our priorities get messed up when it, comes to, when it comes to our Christian life, when it comes to church, when it comes to missions, whatever it may be, 
When our priorities are messed up, everything is messed up. When we get our priorities out of line and things that shouldn't be that important are, are, are way important and things that should be way important aren't that important, we, we've become messed up in our life. We must have our priorities in order when it comes to this. I'm almost finished. I'm going to read this example. Uh, some people are different. We have different people in here. How many of you, uh, how many of you have an Apple phone? Anybody have an Apple phone, iPhone? How many of you have an Android? I'll pray for you that you'll come down to the altar and get saved. No. <laughs> Apple is one of the uh, biggest companies, and I'm just using this example because I like Apple. If you like something else, that's okay. It was founded by college dropouts, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Along with a 42-year-old man named Ronald Wayne, in April of 1976, they began in a garage. The company is now a multinational corporation responsible for some of the most innovative creations of all time. The iPod, the iPad, the iPhone, uh, iCloud, iTunes, the Mac, all kind of stuff. The list could go on and on and on and on and on. One of the incredible stories told about Apple has to do with a man named John Scully. This I'll be, I'll be finished. He had began uh, to be the youngest CEO in the history of Pepsi and was sought out by every major company that was out there. They all wanted John Scully. And he told them all no. Scully was the mastermind behind the Pepsi generation. He was behind all of it, the campaigns that catapulted Pepsi ahead of Coke. And he was the main one that got it on. Everybody wanted this guy on their team. He told everybody no. It was during that period of time that Steve Jobs approached him to come work for Apple. In their final meeting, Jobs went to him and said, are you going to come to Apple? And he said, he said no, I'm not, I'm not coming to Apple. But that wouldn't be his final answer here. Scully recounts what happened next. He said, when I told Steve that I would love to be a consultant to Apple and help him out in any way I could, but there was no way I could see myself coming to Apple his head dropped and he stared at the floor what seemed like an eternity. The story says, and he said, I was not prepared for what came next. After a few moments of deadening silence, he issued a challenge to me that would haunt me for days. And this may not, I want you to flip this in, in our way. He said this right here. He said, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want a chance to change the world? That's crazy. I read that story and it's like, Absolutely. The guy, he said, do you want a chance, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling Pepsi, or do you want a chance to sell the water? I don't know about you, Pepsi's good, but Apple has pretty much changed our technology. They've changed a lot of stuff that's gone on. So he said, uh, here he, he accepted it, he accepted that challenge, he said, I want a chance to change the world. I make no apology to ask you this morning, do you want to waste your time doing crazy things that don't matter, having our priorities messed up? Or do you want to be involved in changing the world? Do you want to be involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as we possibly can? I don't want to spend my time on earth wasting time. I'm reminded every single day that I wake up, that I read the news, that I, that I see the things that are going on, that our days are limited, that our time is short, that we don't have a lot of time left on this earth. And I don't want to waste my time doing things that, that mean nothing. I don't want to waste my time giving money and spending money on things that are eventually going to become worthless. But I want to invest and I want to do things that are going to change the world. 
What would change if your priorities came to be more aligned with what is important to God? Lastly, there's a lost world, should I not care? There's a lost world, and we need to care. The story of Jonah ends, and this, my, my, my message here, Jonah selfishly loved an unfeeling, unthinking, short-lived plan, but God cared for those people. God loved those people. When we think about us, God loves the people that our missionaries are, are telling about Jesus Christ. God cares about the people all across this world. And we have a chance as a church as we go through missions, as we enter this missions week, to help them. Some of you say, well, I can't give financially. I can't do that. You can pray. You can make it a priority to pray. You say, well, I've been blessed. God has blessed me financially, and I want to, want to help. I want to be an encouragement. Some of them are going to be here this week. This is a staff and a church. I want to make it a goal to just love on them and, and give to them. Let them know that what they're doing is not in vain. What they're doing is, is important, and we see that. Do you care for a lost world? Through missions is our way that we can care for a lost world. Through giving, through helping, through encouraging, through praying. is how we can encourage and how we can care for a lost world. We as Christians, as, as believers, as people who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has given us a commission. God has given us something to, to do. God has given us something to accomplish, and that is to tell those about him, whether they be here in Columbus, Ohio, in the 614, or whether they be in Nairobi, Kenya, whether they be in China, wherever they be, God has told us to go after them. As I said earlier, it's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission, and God has called us to it.